Hey everybody and welcome to the Gathering Church at Home. We're so honored to have you with us here today. Thank you so much for allowing us into your home, into your living room, into a place where we can worship together with you. I know that there's a lot of uncertainty in the world right now. There's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of pain. And so let me just tell you a couple things. First, that no matter what happens in the coming days and in the coming weeks and in the coming months, that your church is here. We're with you. We're beside you. We're praying for you. We're interceding on your behalf. We want to come alongside you in this moment. We are having all the conversations and, and, and getting all the strategy and wisdom that we can as we think about what this might look like with all the possible outcomes. Our prayer and our hope is that we're back together in person next week. But if that's not possible or if it's not safe or if somebody uh, who is in a position of authority over us doesn't recommend it, then I want you to know that we are having conversations about all the different and unique ways that we can continue to meet together. We believe community is so important that it matters that we were created to worship and go through life together. And so we're committed to that, no matter what. We're committed to the church and to you. And so I just want to encourage you to keep joining us here and to keep checking in online for updates. Watch, and, and we will keep you posted as to what every next move is. But for right now, I would encourage you to make sure that you make worship and prayer a priority in your life. Don't let this season of fear overcome you. For God's word says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7, that he did not give us a spirit of fear, but yet he gave us one of power and love and of a sound mind. And so that is how we will approach this season. Keep worshiping him. Let his spirit's power grow inside of you, that you might have a sound mind, that you might cast out all fear, and that fear would not drive this season for you right now and as long as we continue to ask you to i would encourage you to get together with your small groups your life groups in those environments where it's smaller and it's safer and you know the people this is still a good place to be able to go face to face before someone else who will pray for you and be in community with you and go through life with you until we believe that it's wise to do otherwise we do not want fear to isolate us even in this season and so this morning i want to share with you just a quick word uh, on the second half of our How to Get Rich series. So last week we came together and we looked at this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Paul is telling a young pastor named Timothy how to pastor rich people. And last week we talked about this verse and decided that that passage applies to all of us. We're the rich people. All the issues that he helps pastor through are the same issues that we have. And so we learned about that last week. Today I want to focus on the second part of that passage. And it says this, command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of a life that is truly life. I want to talk about treasure for a minute today. Treasure. I believe God wants you to have treasure. I believe God wants you to be rich. 
I just think maybe the way that he defines it is different than the way that we do sometimes. Let's talk for a second about what treasure is not. Treasure isn't buried. If you're anything like me, whenever you think about treasure, your mind goes right away to a pirate with a wooden chest with a big lock on it, burying it under a giant X on a map somewhere in the Caribbean. Most of us aren't pirates hiding treasure, but we are still trying to collect it and bury it somewhere. We devote the best years of our lives to amassing more and more wealth so we can spend it on some lifestyle we hope will bring us joy or we put it away so that we can have a sense of safety and security and we can put our trust in that money. But it always lets us down. Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 12. It says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. So take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Treasure isn't something that we store in a barn. It's not something that we put away. It's not something that we bury and that we hide and that we put our trust in. I'm not telling you not to save, not to have investments. I'm telling you to redefine what you think treasure is. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It's not something we can bury. It's bigger than that. Also, second thing is that treasure isn't taken. What could start out as a simple pleasure from spending or having or saving can turn into something worse. See, for centuries, men have fought and died over treasure. People are still doing this, although now it happens more often in boardrooms than on battlefields. What could start as an innocent love for money can quickly turn into greed and a desire of it at the cost of somebody else. Greed is the rootless wanting we feel when it's never enough over a long time period of time. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money, the love of it, the need for it, is at the root of all evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from their faith and pierced to themselves with many griefs. Money can take from us things that will never repay back, like our character, our joy, our peace, our kindness. No treasure isn't taken. If you have to take it, it's not treasure. The third thing is that treasure isn't money. It's not gold, it's not silver, it's not money. There is this lie going around that we know is a lie, that, that we name is a lie. We still act like we believe it nonetheless. That lie is that money can bring us joy or happiness or peace. There is even this lie inside the church that if we do enough good and if we give enough, God will make us financially rich. Money is not treasure to God. He may show you favor and blessing 
with a physical financial blessing so that you can be a blessing to others. But he doesn't guarantee it, and we don't do anything to earn it. In Revelation 21, the Apostle John is given this glimpse of heaven, and that's the final iteration of where we'll all spend eternity if we follow Jesus. And he says in that that the streets were paved with pure gold. See, to God, gold isn't treasure. It's asphalt. He's up there paving the roads with it. The real treasure of heaven, the treasure that we build in the kingdom of heaven, the treasure that God wants us to seek, isn't gold or money or possessions. It is people. People are treasure to God. The people of God are his treasure. I can prove it to you. In Deuteronomy 14.2, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you as his treasured possession. You are God's treasure. You and every single person that you will ever meet are like precious gold to him. People are the treasure. Matthew 13, 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. I, I know that Jesus was telling us this story to relate to us but you've got to know that after he told this story Jesus would go on to live that parable he found you wherever you were in, in your worst moment in your darkest moment in your most hopeless place and he didn't see you with the broken image that you saw of yourself he looked at you and he saw treasure treasure that he desired so deeply that he went and sold off everything that he had his son Jesus would give his life on the cross so that he could have you in his kingdom. This parable is about him. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that we would not die but have everlasting life. People are God's treasure. And he wants to use us to build up treasure in heaven. He wants to use us to empty out hell and populate heaven. And very simply, that's why He's giving us what we have. So Timothy, and Paul says to Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. When you lay up treasure for the coming age, it means you are leading people into the eternity where God wants you to go. He paid for it on the cross. And when you use all of your life and your resources and your time and your gifting, you will know what it means to be truly alive. Let me tell you just real quick this morning a couple ways to build real treasure up in the kingdom of God. First, just be kind. Be kind. The financial climate of our world says it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there. Kill or be killed. Take or be stolen from. But the Bible makes it clear that we're meant to live a different way. Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. And a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put light, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When we are kind, 
we are being Jesus to somebody else. When we show kindness, when we live in kindness, we are being that salt of the earth. We are letting the light of the goodness of Jesus shine from us. To be salt and light is to be Jesus to the people we interact with. To be kind and to do kind things. It may not always get you ahead in the corporate world, but that's okay. Because treasure isn't money. It's people. And kindness will make you rich where it counts. It says, the Bible says that it is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And the way that people experience it is through us. Kindness. The king of kindness, Mr. Rogers once said, There's three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. And the third way is to be kind. Second, serve others. Paul says, teach them to be rich in good deeds. Throughout his ministry, Jesus served people. The night before he was crucified, knowing it was his last actual day on earth, his last night on earth, his last moment to impart some kind of wisdom into his followers that they might be more like him when he leaves them. He gives them an object lesson and he washes their feet to serve them so that they would understand what it is they've been called to do. We need to leverage everything that we have to serve others. We need to leverage our gifts, our abilities, our talents to serve. And we need to leverage our finances to serve. You were created with a purpose. Isaiah 49.1 Before I was born, the Lord called me. And from my mother's womb, He has spoken my name. He knew who you were and who you were going to be from the very, very beginning moments. He's got dreams for you and a purpose for you. And it is to glorify God and serve others a way that only you can do it if you've tried serving people before and it's drained you and exhausted you and you just thought i don't know i don't enjoy this it's because you were serving outside of your purpose when you discover your purpose when you know what it is and you find it and you serve people through it you will feel fully alive you will know the life that is truly life as a church this is why we're so passionate about helping you discover your purpose That's why we want to take you through growth track and help you do assessments and have conversations and get to know you because we want you to serve the way you were made to serve so that you could build up treasure in the kingdom of God. And we should serve others with our finances as we close. We need to sow generosity. We build up treasure in the kingdom of God by sowing generosity. Paul finishes up his advice to Timothy with, be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of a life that is truly life. Be generous and willing to share that you may lay up treasure. There are so many good reasons to tithe, to give the first 10% of our finances. That's a command that, there's this command that Scripture lays out about it that is affirmed in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament by Jesus and Paul. There's Deuteronomy 14.23 that says, The purpose of the tithe is to, teach, is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. The principle of the first. We give God the very first 10% of our money because it teaches us that He is the one who sits on the throne of our hearts. He's our safety. He's our security. He's our trust. We talked about all that last week. 
But maybe the most compelling reason for the tithe, for our generosity to the church, is to store up treasure in heaven. In the culture I grew up in, I don't know if anybody said it out loud from the stage or in Sunday school or if it was just kind of what we all unanimously believed for some reason. But there was this understanding that the more you gave, the more you served, the more literal treasure you'd have in heaven. A bigger mansion, a treasure chest in every room filled with golden doubloons. Bigger mansion, more wealth. See, I think we missed the point. Because like we said before, gold is asphalt to God. He paves the streets with it. The treasure is the people. The more we give, the more people we can share His love with, the more treasure there is in heaven. Are you with me? This is what treasure is. When we sow our finances into the church, we get real treasure out of it. You're not going to get richer. The money you give away is gone. It doesn't come back 20-fold. It doesn't work like that. What happens is, when you sow your money into the church, it becomes a seed that is planted and multiplied by the capacity of the church to reach those in desperate need of Jesus. When I sow my finances into the church, it goes back a hundredfold to bring more treasure into the kingdom of God. More people who are moving from death to life. More people going from dark to light. More people from hopelessness to hope, from loneliness to fathered this is why we sow jesus tells this parable in matthew 13 of a farmer scattering seed and he scatters it in all kinds of different soils and in one place the birds snatch it up and eat it and one place the sun scorches it and in another place the thorns grow up and strangle it and in one place it takes good roots and he just wants to encourage us to plant as many seeds as we can because if you just keep planting seeds and you keep multiplying that and do everything you can to sow and to sow and to sow, then that means there is a greater chance that somebody is going to receive it and it's going to transform and change them and there is more treasure in heaven. As a church, we just want to sow as much seed as we can. We want to scatter it in as many places as we can. It is our responsibility and so when you sow a seed of generosity into the church, what you have to give is multiplied to grow the kingdom of God. See, I've never spent money on the church. I have sown it into God's kingdom. I believe God wants to build up treasure in heaven. I believe he wants to bring treasure to us. I believe he wants us to experience the accumulation of treasure. I just think it's different than how we sometimes picture it. He wants his kingdom. He wants the place where we will be spending our eternity, the paradise we'll live in, to have as many of his children in it as he can because he loves and cares for us so deeply. The treasure is the people. Let's build up treasure in the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, this morning or tonight or today, whenever you're watching, as we worship you and as we pray and as we think about treasure, Father, I think about every person who's watching this right now and who, who has just been waiting for the right, right moment, who's been desperate for hope, 
who's tried all the ways the world has offered them for satisfaction and come up empty. If that's you, right now where you're at, it's your home and your living room, get on your knees, get on the floor before him because he's listening. And he's on the edge of his seat and he's waiting because he loves, he loves this moment. If that's you, you just say this prayer with me and you get to be added unto that treasure in heaven. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Forgive me for every sin, for every, every moment I tried to do it on my own. I just, I receive your gift today. I receive who you are today. I trust in you. I follow you. I give you every part of my life. In Jesus' name.